Explore the depths of your curiosity with aerospace engineer John Connolly, Columbia Space Center's Benjamin Dickow, and CEO of Heavy Metal Magazine Matthew Medney, as they bring scientists, engineers, and authors on a journey of discovery. This is Putting the Science in Science Fiction, where fiction and science collide. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to part two of our smorgasbord of science fiction. I'm here with my co-hosts, Ben Dickow and John Connolly, and we are going to dive right back into this free-flowing conversation we had, so enjoy. Well, I wanted to loop stuff back to our topic about other things that were happening of science fiction that's possibly coming science. The mm. warp drive. I mean, it's so, you know, I've been reading article after article, and it's saying that now they don't require negative mass uh, because it's about warping the space-time itself in a bubble instead of warping the space around the ship. Although, I mean, I, to, I thought it was still warping the space around the ship, so I don't really fully understand how it's different. Ben, do you have any further insight? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I think... Oh, okay. um, <laughs> I don't know exactly what you're, I didn't read that article, but, um, well, no, just so briefly. Yeah. So, uh, this past week, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, this article appeared on popular mechanics and a lot of different physics websites. So it has scientists develop model for fast and light warp drive that bends space time hmm. to send ships to the stars. And so they, you know, at every point they say, you know, mm -hmm. we're not going to go into what all the math is. But the, the general idea is that it now goes from requiring oh, – it, it still now works inside of our existing model of physics, which is very interesting because, I mean, it, uh, okay. if I dare to dream for a second, but just like the, the yeah, thought yeah, yeah. Of, of like leapfrogging over all of the levels of technology and all of a sudden having a warp drive be – as well as that, I feel like this is like – did they ha did the universe hand this to us for yeah. mm -hmm. Maybe. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> okay. So So wait, what are they saying? How are they saying that it works without the math? In a surprising new paper, scientists say they've nailed down a physical model for a warp drive, which flies in the face of what we've long thought about the crypto about, uh, about the crazy concept of warp speed travel that it requires exotic negative forces. To best understand what the breakthrough means and lead a quick crash yes. We understand what the basics of a warp mm. drive are. Okay, for people who don't understand what the basics of a warp drive are, mm. the Alcabierre drive is taking space time and compressing it in front of the ship and extend mm. expanding it outside. So the ship in relative space is still moving slower than the speed of light, but from an external reference point is moving faster. So mm -hmm. Essentially, the Alcabier drive would expend a tremendous amount of energy, likely more than the, the, what's available within the universe, to contract and twist space-time in front of it and create a bubble. Inside the bubble would be an inertial reference frame where explorers would feel no proper acceleration. The rules of physics would still apply within the bubble, but the ship hmm. would be localized outside of space. Yes, as we stated, understanding that. So, science has criticized mm -hmm. the drive because it requires too much mass and negative energy for humans to ever seriously construct a propulsion system. NASA has been trying to build a physical warp drive through EagleWorks laboratories for most of the last decade, interesting to note, but hasn't made any significant strides, noted because we would have heard about it. 
in the report, the APL team unveils the world's first model for a physical warp drive, one that doesn't require negative energy. Where the existing paradigm uses negative energy, exotic matter that doesn't exist and can't be generated within our current understanding of the universe, this new concept uses floating bubbles of space-time rather than floating ships in space-time. The physical model uses almost none of the negative energy and capitalizes on the idea that space-time bubbles can behave almost however hmm. they like. And the APL. This is a Michio Kakaku's concept. He he's been talking about this for like a decade, but no one thought he was, no one thought it was like real. Um, I, I I've seen him do hmm. a few talks on YouTube about this, where the space time itself is the warp rather than the but, ship. But I thought right? the concept was still warping space time. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's where I'm just kind of. Is it because just like trying to move a ship across? It is requires so much more energy, and it's actually easier to have something really small. Or I know there's there's more in depth here that we're going to have to to go. Well, definitely on our next mm. episode, we will come with armed with research. Yes, thank you. And yeah, because isn't I mean most of the energy is not just to move the thing, but it's to create the warp and space time in the first place, right? Yeah, and so that's also something that I was reading is you know, if we still wanted to be able to warp to space, we're going to have to take something, I believe it said akin to like the mass of the earth and compress it down into, you know, the size of a vehicle to be able to warp the space time itself to create this effect. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, I think that's probably one of those where it's like, we could do it. Our science okay. technically allows it, but, you know, the technology of taking something the mass of the Earth and being able to compress it to near black hole density mm -hmm. is still a little beyond us. <laughs> Which might though mean that, like, <laughs> if I'm reading that mm -hmm. correctly, it yeah. implies that a warp ship or some sort of warp vehicle is a massive planetary-sized object and and require and, and it's like non-travel level we would require things as massive as planets oh, in order to use FTL. i see what they're saying yeah so darkwing <laughs> got it that makes sense then <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if we've talked about this before because it's kind of more space fantasy in addition to Beyond oh. Kuiper, I have another graphic novel out called Darkwing, which is which is oh, about yeah, yeah, a yeah. ship that figured out a way, or a planet, that figured out a way to turn 25% of its core into effectively an FTL drive um, by using the energy condensed nice. in the core. And it, it like, uh, you know, it's like, the uh, way I wrote is like kind of my love letter to Gene Rottenberry. It's a... Uh, uh, a ship space opera that's about explorers um the, the battle between so the planet had to be turned into a ship because of this uh fight or flight uh their, its sun was getting eaten by a black hole so it was either figure out a way to turn the planet into a ship or everyone dies and they did and now five thousand years later the dark wing is this like super high-tech uh spaceship that's a planet and you have factions on the planet that consider themselves orbiters, uh, people that want the planet 
to find a sun to lock into orbit with and people who are explorers who want to right, keep right. traveling the cosmos and you have this conflict of the two factions of people while uh while all these different adventures and things happen that's cool that's great that's awesome it's an awesome concept but now now my now my space fantasy sounds cool. like it turned into science fiction yeah so i mean we're just that's how that's how it is right i mean it's it starts there that's and awesome. then it becomes sci-fi and then it becomes reality there we go all all science started as fiction that's my tag uh, that is a great tagline almost i mean i know we still have time but man that's a great <laughs> ending to this episode i i had a few more things that i was thinking about that i wanted to get your yeah. um your guys's take on i was i was you know reminiscing on some of our episodes and i was emailing back and forth with adam frank who's in my opinion probably our best guest to date uh, mm-hmm. freaking love adam and mm-hmm. i was re-watching his uh series on netflix alien worlds and I wanted to take a few minutes to talk about mm-hmm. what characters from various superhero and sci-fi genre um, aliens are out there and the validity of, of their composition as aliens. You know, like, like um, you know, like first, oh, the, the one that, uh, that I just think of always because John of Odion is Hawkman. You know, from the DC universe. Sure, sure. Now I sure. want to hear both of your guys' point of views, and I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot since we didn't prep this. But is there any reality where you could have a sentient winged humanoid? Sure. Humanoid or human? Like a human with wings? Human. I mean, I would say humanoid only because you know. I don't know if there's humans other places, but yeah. someone that could talk, walk, and fly. Oh, maybe. I mean, if we're talking about like Hawkman, like a guy with wings, or Hawkwoman, a woman with wings, I don't think the human body can flap wings like that so well. I don't think he's gonna. They're gonna get very far. I also think our bones are pretty dense. I haven't heard that, you know. So we don't have the wishbone or anything like that. But humanoid, just something out there that can that can hold conversation, gets around, and has wings. That that could be something out there. Who knows? Fascinating. I honestly thought you guys were gonna say the other way. I'm no. I'm so intrigued right well, now. Let's say um. So technically here, same thing. Dragons, four-legged dragons with two wings, and and angels are technically hexapods. So, you know, they have six limbs. But, I mean, think about how... But angels aren't real. <laughs> well... Or dragons. Just, um... just to put it out there. Sorry. Okay. You know, we'll use, we'll use hexapods from of course they're real. Avatar. That's an entire planet of where it's hexapods instead of, instead of bipedal. But, uh, I mean, mm. it's... Think about how different the limb... You know, technically a bird started in at some version of a reptile much earlier that had four limbs that were probably based on on paleontological models very similar to each other think of a lizard of today and at some point in time those back limbs Mm -hmm. became those bird legs and those front limbs became wings such wildly different Mm -hmm. things so i mean i Mm -hmm. i i don't Mm -hmm. think that a humanoid with wings is that weird i'm i am so delighted by this conversation just just so we're on the same page but that's the thing is I'm going to split the hairs on the semantics here. I think Hawkman or human with wings 
not possible. I think humanoid. Well, okay, so different environmental factors because of grav, you know, surface gravity, air density. But I assume that they have featherweight bones like a bird. You know, maybe mm-hmm. they look it, but their mass is is tiny, mm-hmm. so their wings, you know, don't need to be hundred foot airplane wings in order to make the physics work. I mean, they, once mm-hmm. once we have mm-hmm. humans going mm-hmm. on the moon, a, a human with big wings is going to be very close yeah. to being able to to flap around and have some limited hopping off the ground. So, oh my God, that's exactly what I yeah. want to do when I go to the moon is do one of those crazy like late 19th century experiments with, with flying. <laughs> like a Da Vinci run machine? Run off from a crater. Yeah, <laughs> run off. Well, not a Da Vinci machine. One of those crazy guys that put like the, the bat wings on them made of like canvas and wood yeah. and they would run off from a cliff and try to, I think that's awesome. But I think that goes that goes back to the hotel, like you were saying about how do we like things that keep moving the space industry forward without the tons of money coming right. from the military side. You're going to need a recreation director, and you're going to need all the exactly. The Lunar X Games are going to be a hit. <laughs> wow, that's just not, dude. You're right. Who 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 cares about a, a Tony Hawk 900 when you can do a Tony yeah, Hawk 30,080? I mean. Right. There's going to be sports. There's going to be some regular sports would be almost impossible, but think about slam ball without needing the mats. Think about gymnastics. Think about, yeah, every single X game sport that requires you going high in the air. But at the same time too, you got to be, can we just note that you just went, you just went gymnastics to X games. Yeah. Those are like about games, sports events that involve people being in the air and doing things while they're falling and flip, you know, trying to do a bunch of flips while they fall. I mean, there's. Totally. It's gonna be. It's gonna be fun to watch. It's gonna be a lot of learning curve too. I bet. <laughs> so, so, so I have I have another character question to bring it back to these because I'm I am now like gonna do a segment on this every episode because I am fascinated by these answers. But back to what you were saying, both of you about um, the Iron Man suit, right? Uh, it might just be easier to build the robot. Um, cyborg staying in the dc universe in reality if uh, a scientist had the technological prowess to create cyborg would he have just moved the brain into a robot like would he have actually done the cyborg or would that have been inefficient i'm curious what you guys think i'm not sure about you try to reframe that question so cyborg if you understand how he's built 80% of his body is destroyed and his dad who's a scientist creates this cybernetic cyborg to house 80% of his body while it's effectively just his face minus half and his brain right yeah. would it have been in reality would it be more efficient to have just like taken his brain and mapped it in a full exoskeleton mm. uh, i think a cyborg implies that you right. don't necessarily have that capability interesting but in reality yeah, maybe but in but, but do you see my question ben i feel mm-hmm. like you're yeah i you're get what on, you're saying on my same page there yeah 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 what, what, what do you think like i mean i guess if the if there's the technology out there to be able to map your map your brain and put it in a box as opposed to just augment your your features or something like that i definitely think that there's going to be people who are just like yeah just download me into this thing yeah, you know, I have a dozen different weirdo limbs and stuff like that. I'll be able to do all kinds of stuff and and they'll go for it. However, I also think that there might be this psychology involved of like 
like the kind of craziness of just looking at yourself in the mirror and not recognizing anything like what what Robot would that Man do in Doom yeah Patrol. exactly yeah yeah what does that do to your brain you know i read uh this is this is a subject that i really don't want to go down but the head transplant <laughs> thing that people kind of come up with when they talk about that oh. like the the sort of chemical cascade of that would hit your brain from being in, with a different body would like make you go insane or something like that. Um, so, it, you know, there's obviously a, a strong connection both psychologically and chemically to have your brain kind of where it's meant to be. But, but still, I mean, I don't know. I, I could, people have done weird things. They might be, they might be into just having a brain in a box. It's, it's so fascinating. I feel like we'll have cyborgs, for as long as we're trying yeah, to yeah i agree I, I yeah. agree and then once we yeah. do synth bodies then, then we'll just i've jump said for years to, now i yeah. would say i would say at this point probably over a decade um so probably around 2010 right when i was uh uh graduating college not to let people realize how old or young i am depending on which way you look at that um <laughs> there was the first um um, uh, uh, a prosthesis that uh, could respond uh, yeah, was right. coming out around 2010, mm-hmm. uh, right? Before that, it was all just plastics, right? It didn't mm-hmm. actually, the fingers could never move. It was just wood, plastic, whatever. But now, in the last 10 years, you have like fully functional arms. And since I saw that first one where the fingers moved, I've said that in my lifetime or in our lifetime, you mm-hmm. will see someone cut off a limb mm-hmm. to get a robotic one. Mm-hmm. which is a fascinating yeah. thought process. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But you've already seen it to some, not seen, you have not seen that, but when there was the argument in the Olympics mm. about Oscar Pistorius and whether, you know, blade the Blade Runner and being right. able to run on mechanical limbs, how did you judge that advantage versus mm-hmm. a human's natural abilities? You know, he obviously... You know, that right. was not a choice. He did not make a choice of removing his legs. But you can already see some instances of you know he could run faster than a, than mm-hmm. a human naturally could on two feet. Um, I think you're going to have that, Matt. But what you might have in between, or maybe as an alternative, is in Elysium where they have the mm-hmm. exoskeleton suits, where you know that their cyborgs, you know, he's that's plugged directly into his nervous system. And, but you know, mm-hmm. it's a va- it's a mech suit mm-hmm. augmentation. I mean, that's. Do you think we'll have any Jaegers? Maybe that's her cyborg. Oh, you're t- so now you're talking right. okay. Pacific Rim. Um, the new the new animated series is on Netflix oh, right now, and it's fantastic. Really? It's really fun. I mean, it kind of goes back. Really to, fun. Goes back to like mobile suit. Yeah, like, like Robotech and stuff like that. Yeah, like but that. but the Jaeger is a little bit more complex mm-hmm. than that. Oh, right, because that's a that's a mental. Exactly. Mix. The Gundams are not. Uh, they're a pilot interface. Once again, just, is it practical though? Like that's the thing. Like it, 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 you know, in that scenario, it was like you know you needed a giant robot to match a giant monster. But oh, but you're just saying it's like a piloting reference. Yeah, like, you, I mean, I think that also that goes kinda... to what 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 you know uh, the glass half full that Ben has when it comes to technology, which I really appreciate. Is you know maybe we need to have something at that scale for maybe it's industry, maybe it's defense, but maybe it needs to have a human touch. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe there, maybe there isn't enough because there will be a time, right? If we, 
if we all agree that at some point we'll create sentient AI, and at some point before that we'll live on another planet, there's going to be a period where we're going to create effectively something similar to a Jaeger to be able to move things Mm -hmm. with the human Mm -hmm. using AI, but it's, it's a bridge before it's fully automation, right? So you're going to create something in the vein of that. Mm -hmm. And I guess my question is, I don't even know what my question was. I just was thinking about Jaegers. I think they're cool. (laughs) Well, no, I think, I think it goes back to, we were talking, your, your original question about a cyborg and you know, if if a cyborg, you know, because maybe there's, I think we, I think we think of cyborgs in classical literature and media as, you know, DC cyborg, where you're, you know, most of your body is turned into or is a machine. But uh, we technically have cyborgs already. I mean, even people who have cochlear implants uh, to, um, you know, to amend, you know, birth deafness have mm-hmm. are technically a cyborg. That's a piece of machinery that is interfacing mm-hmm. with neural impulses. So, I, I mean, could you argue that all of the humans that were born in the matrix are cyborgs? Because, you know, that's maybe it's just the ability to interface with machines and not necessarily that you need to turn yourself into one. Hmm. That's interesting. 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 Yeah. It depends on what you're going for. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I think, I mean, as far as like people doing like vanity cyborg and stuff like that, I, I think there will be. Wasn't there? There were I don't know, a dozen years ago or something like that. People were doing implants under the skin. There were you know even just like data chips and stuff like that. Like there's a, there are folks who really love the machine human interface and and want to explore that. I'm I'm one of them. I'm I'm all in. Let's neural link up. <laughs> the second Elon has something consumer facing, I'm down. There I don't, you go. I don't, I'm, you know, uh, you'll get this reference after you've watched more episodes. It won't ruin anything, mm-hmm. but John will very much get it. You know, I'm Molly Cobb all the way, John. Let's push <laughs> the boundaries. Let's push the boundaries. I'm down. <laughs> She's the She's best. The best. <laughs> But uh, but actually, and I think the boundaries will probably get pushed by circumstance because once again, if you use Cyborg as an example, his body was destroyed. Mm. I believe in a car there's many iterations of that. Some of uh, some of the iterations that he caused a lab explosion that killed his mm. mom in the lab, and that's all that was left of him. So, but mm. my my point being is, you know, if you already have, if you have somebody who lost a limb due to an accident or war or or whatever and now they're kind of almost on the forefront of cybernetics Mm -hmm. you know because of prosthetics and needing them i think you're probably going to see more and more situations it becomes Mm -hmm. like almost like irobot you know people's bodies are Mm -hmm. more and more damaged you get situations of being able to save somebody in a more and more extreme way or being able to repair somebody who's a you know a quadriplegic because all of their limbs are blown off by a mine or in a battle i think i think that you're going to see your cyborgs first and foremost there out of necessity slash like trying yeah, to restore I mean, quality that, of that's life. been the case i mean the the, the golf or um the war against terrorism basically um the the amount of those type of casualties is 
huge like there's so many more survivors of that than there are death casualties but those survivors have these sort of catastrophic in, in um injuries and it's uh it really pushed a lot of this stuff in the past 20 years since you know september 11th but it, yeah it's it that is sort of a a strange phenomenon i guess of the fact that there is a lot of and i'm not going to say safety in the sense that it's safe but there is a lot of, the way that war in those sort of closer battles and urban warfare and and, and just the armor that people are wearing and stuff like that have increased survivability but have also increased these sort of um longer term injuries that would need cybernetics well so it's already happening in some ways yeah the the kind of i mean when the ethical you know people used to just be alive or dead you know before modern medicine and then you know the the understanding of what is brain death what is being in a coma and i feel like that line continues to gray the mm-hmm. further well it'll down. it'll really gray when you can download a consciousness right the body dies but you store it on a mainframe until we fit right because that'll probably happen first right before we figure out how to put a consciousness into a robot skin we'll mm-hmm. probably figure out how to map the neural net and save the essence of the being in a in a mainframe yeah. effectively Right, that that'll happen first, and then we'll figure out how to actually save them, put them into some sort of robot body, potentially. But that step would happen first, right? So, what are you in that situation? Yeah, I mean, the notion a co- if you're a copy versus the actual continued right. consciousness, the, mm-hmm. right? Right, that's the uh, the question of altered carbon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. So that was something in Altered Carbon that was always kind of gray to me. Like, if if somebody, sta- you know, if your body was killed, and then they took your stack, your literal stack, and put it into another sleeve, to me that seemed like immortality. Needle casting, and the idea of moving, or especially people having backups, like that's a backup of you. So. And in there, and in that situation, legally, they had obviously decided that backups are you. And then, it, but then there was also, I think, ethically, why they set up the rule that you can't make copies of yourself, mm. specifically. But what's the difference? Oh, the difference between a copy and a backup is that they can't both exist at the same time. Exactly, because I, because there, it's like if you make a, okay, if you make a copy of a human mind, we go back to our discussion. Do they have rights? And in that universe, mm-hmm. it seems that they decided. No, because if they do have rights, then we open this can of worms to people could theoretically make infinite copies of themselves. And then how do you determine who has more rights than what and who owns what? Mm-hmm. There's there's legitimate tax complexity. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice, John. Tax complexity. Oh, oh. oh that did not feel good. Oh, well, yeah. I was about to say... Uh. Uh, okay. John John's dealing with a little post surgery trooper ooh, over here. Ooh, uh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 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 on that point to just tie that one in a neat bow, um, that's kind of what happened in Altered Carbon. Right? I haven't watched that first season in a few years, but somebody gets murdered, but the guy killed himself and then re-uploaded, so he had no memory of what he did because his backup that was the new him 
didn't have those 12 hours. So nobody knew how the crime occurred. Mm. And so, and actually in, once again, reaching back to the golden age, um, in that situation, there's this being who, I won't, I won't give names away, but who has existed for thousands of years and is very highly regarded and has vast wealth across the solar system. And he ends up dying and they have to pull him from a backup that's just one hour previous to when he died but there's footage, you know, outside of like his signal got scrambled, but there's still like other footage and surveillance footage, which seems to show that he had some sort of epiphany or something that happened to him that was important enough that the collective decides that his successor is a relic and not the prime version of him. And so like any deviation of experience is considered a new being. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Right, because if two of them were alive at the same time, different choices could be made, mm -hmm. therefore creating different versions of themselves, which is effectively, at that point, brothers, right? Similar DNA, or in this case, identical, but different life choices. Yeah, mm -hmm. circumstance, you know, I guess, mm -hmm. per, per, unless we lived in a, in a time loop where there's no outside influence, there's nothing to suggest right. that that other version is going to by that it, it's now chaos you know everything's diverging infinitely and it's only going to diverge further mm -hmm. as those two beings have in, increasingly differentiated experiences unless the the way around that however might be if you could have multiple beings but they had to resync somehow like they had to oh, like if you could make a a duplicate of a human mind, but it had to keep being rebaselined and keep resetting. And so that would in, sort of in the same way how they had backups in Westworld that could always fall back on to restore them to their original versions. Mm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right. And then, but, but they were scripted, right? So like their original versions always had a specific, um, path. But in Westworld, one a few of them, you know, deviated from that path regardless of how many times they were reset. But they also then destroyed their backups to make sure that no one could resync them. So it, there's a yeah. lot. Of, let's not yeah. get too deep in that because there's so many potholes. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's on our red list of, of, of shows that we don't usually delve into. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, that's good. Uh, have you watched all three seasons, Ben? No, I only watched the first two. That's good. Maybe you just right, so, want to so, stay there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think I didn't you hear should, I think you should stay. Okay. <laughs> Three's horrible. Uh, unwatchable. Really? Unwatchable. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say that on the record. I don't it makes care. Me sad. One is a masterpiece. Yeah. Oh, One yeah. is a masterpiece. Two has the standard season two drop-off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like... Like, like it was good, but mm -hmm. like it did not top one. Very few shows do better, you know. Like those are like, right. you know, really great. But like it could have sustained, and then three just went off a cliff. Mm. Yeah, you know, like a, a good example of one, not in science fiction, but just a show that did that was Dexter. Season one was uh, incredible. Two was okay. Mm -hmm. Three was a little four bit was better. Great. Four was. A I started watching at the end of four. Which to so tell you, I literally watched Dexter from the middle of season four all the way to the end of season eight, and I hate my existence for doing that. 
Yeah, season five through eight are are, are really unwatchable, especially uh, the series finale is is so bad you don't even understand how that happened. Oh man. Yeah, it's 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 weird. <laughs> but I mean like it's like the you know, it's lost, right? Yeah. Oh, lost yeah. the writers even admit. They're like, we didn't have any idea what to write because we didn't think it was gonna go this far. Right. Right? One through four are masked it's it's probably the yeah. best written T V. Right? I mean, I still know the numbers. 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. Come on, I play those lottery numbers every week. <laughs> you and a million other people. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, that, that's right. I mean, I think there's few shows that you see really control their destiny from oh, the sure. outset. Um, I think Battlestar Galactic is one of the few that made a very conscious effort to be like, yeah. we're ending this on yeah. our terms and not dragging this out. Well, that's because Ron Moore is a G. I mean, you know, and also that's the benefit of having a, you know, not to get into Hollywood, but the benefit of having a network that trusts you, right? Sure. Aaron Sorkin tried to do that after season four of West Wing, and no one listened to him, and, you know, five through seven are <laughs> not so good. You won't even watch him. Have you Have you no, seen that, really? that interview? Yeah, Aaron Sorkin refuses to watch seasons five, six, and seven. Amazing. Amazing. I think it's hard though. I mean, you got, you know, concepts are usually people like things like things like Westwood or Westworld and stuff like that. Like great concept. You pitch it. Sounds fantastic. Like amazing. And then that's the story. So then where do you go? Where, I can where totally, does it end? It, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's like you got this great concept that's really tied up and it gets everybody excited and then you realize that you have to do this for eight years and you know you just how much story can you squeeze out of or of like lost how much story can you squeeze out of a bunch of people on the same island like you know i don't know it's just i'm not saying that it can't be done it obviously can be done but i think it's really hard and it doesn't surprise me that some of these things lose steam i think i also want to point out though that in the instance of Lost, and I also feel the instance in, of somewhat for, for Westworld, there shows, and definitely for Lost, that take place over very small increments of time. And I think mm-hmm. that you kind of trap yourself narratively if oh, you're totally. doing this style yeah. of day by day, and you kind of mm-hmm. exa- either like exhaust your character plot or you can only have so many things happening. I mean, that's one of the things I love about for all mankind is that even just one season probably jumped or covered what three years and Mm. it really maybe Maybe more more. and i think that a show like westworld maybe if it had tried to tell a story over a broader period of time could have found ways to be mm-hmm. more efficient and not need to stretch material or not need to feel like it was kept hunting for material because there's enough paradigm shifts that are happening because of the pace mm-hmm. that your story can be different. That makes sense. Right. I mean, and, and uh, you know, it's a good, it's a good parable to science fiction, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be bold in your writing style for a TV shows just mm-hmm. to keep be bold in your decisions for space travel. Mm-hmm. And I also think just like, That's you right. know, changes don't happen overnight in our world. Even dramatic changes in technology, you know, mm-hmm. they change paradigms, but they don't necessarily impact day-to-day lives or take a very long time to. And so to think that like, mm-hmm. just because, you know, a handful of, 
of you know AI on an island has become sentient is going to result in you know vast changes to how humanity perceives itself if you're only telling this over two weeks it mm -hmm. just isn't going to happen yeah it, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. it's my two cents on it <laughs> to make sure i hear you correctly john your issues there just like with the space weapons that we were talking about have a problem of time right it takes time for things to develop and you need to be able to show that time for things to make sense right because you you might be more agreeable in saying that a lightsaber is possible if it's if i tell you that we figured it out a thousand years from now and we passed a few great filters on the way you'd be like sure maybe that's possible but if i told you that we had a lightsaber in five years you would tell me to go uh um check my sanity yes. I would. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would ask you to produce some some scientific scholarly articles, uh, which you were basing your ideas. <laughs> and uh, I just want to let everyone know that Mike is in agreement that seasons five through eight of Dexter were um, unreasonably bad. Uh, I, I, I paraphrasing him here for a moment just to uh, to keep our PG rating on this show uh, intact <laughs> but um hey, but yeah <laughs> I, managed, I managed to do it this time you did i, I we should we should note nice that job. you john are are, are are typically one that we have to edit down and and in this episode you are uh you have uh, uh, uh passed with flying colors ben is there is there <laughs> anything that you wanted to dive into or uh, touch before we say bye no, I think this has been great. I feel like we've touched on all kinds of things. We went from, you know, trying to do science. We talked about science fiction. We ended up talking about narrative style. And I mean, it's great. This was a very yeah, free Yeah, this one was a good one. And for everyone listening, some of the upcoming guests that we'll have will be uh, Joe Troman of Fallout Boy will be coming on the uh, podcast. Mm. We have uh, Adam Frank is going gonna, is gonna to come back on and have some fun um and uh, we're nice. working on a couple of other uh scientists and people i know you're working on ben but uh everyone uh if you're listening and you're having mm -hmm. fun uh hit us up on dm through the heavy metal instagram or my own and you know send out guests that you think might be interesting for us to talk to and we'll uh yeah. we'll, we'll take those in consideration but uh you know until next time guys uh stay Bye. curious uh, and thanks so much